maybe you've noticed these um, posters that we've had around the campus. On them are um, specific thoughts and statistics about Shelby County. So one of them that I highlighted for you last week is, in, on any given weekend in Shelby County, only 16.8% of the population is at a church service, which makes us the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. So uh, all, there are vital statistics and thoughts all around our campus on these posters. What I would ask you to do as you walk around the campus is just, if you see one, stop and read what's on it and just ask the Holy Spirit to raise your awareness level both of the condition of our community and the love of God for our community. Okay? So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you've, if you've got the um, invitation, I want you to just to hold it up and we're going to pray, Okay? Because here's where I believe all ministry starts. It starts in prayer. So let's pray today and let's ask God to not only touch this community, but to use us to do it. Lord, we pray today that you are going to set divine appointments, that you are going to open doors of ministry and opportunity. And Lord, you are going to plant seeds and water seeds and sow seeds. And Lord, we're even going to see a harvest. And so we ask you today that you communicate your love to and through us to this city that you would open up the eyes of those who've been blinded by the God of this age and you would let a revelation of Jesus Christ and the light we sang about this morning shine and we pray that hope would fill the heart of this community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Now how many of you believe God's going to use this moment to touch people who need? Do you believe that? Would you just give him a hand and thank him in advance? God's going to do something incredible. I believe it. All right, so this morning um, we're finishing our series. We've called Jesus Strong. How many of you like blooper videos? Don't you lie to me. How many of you like blooper videos? Yeah, burning YouTube up. Apparently most of us, because I just Googled blooper video I got 63,700,000 hits. And I want you to know I only watched half of them. No, no, no. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, even, I didn't watch any of them. But I, 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 I do think that tells us, like, blooper videos is something that we tend to enjoy. And I think that we like it because it helps us laugh at our own mistakes. And there's something that bloopers do that humanizes all of us, Right? It kind of shows our flaws and our weaknesses. Um, do you know when pastors gather together, do you know what they talk about? You're thinking you, right? <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. But you know what, what else they talk about? Pastors talk about the dumb things they've said in public. Because we say a lot of them, right? We make a lot of mistakes. Several years ago, I was... Um, talking to a congregation on a Sunday morning. And I was trying to tell them, of course it was packed, you know, it would have to be packed. I was trying to tell them this story about the power of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. Okay? Sounds good so far, doesn't it? And um, here's kind of how the story went. I said, you know, it's like that we've been out in the field 
working to harvest. That's the picture Scripture gives us of evangelism, is harvesting in the fields. But we've been working with like sickles, and we've been working with rakes, and you know, we've been out doing the work of the harvest. But, but it's like off to the side, there's this giant machine that's, that's uh, uh, dusty and old, and it's not uh, very well used at all. It's been neglected and abandoned, and, a, and, and it's a combine. Right? You know, you've seen, how many of you have seen a big tractor? You know, uh, how many of you know a tractor and a combine can harvest a lot faster than a, than a person with their hands? So the point I was trying to make is, is that the combine is like the Holy Spirit. If we'll let him come and fill the church, man, we will see a harvest like the world has never known. That's what the difference is. That's, a good, that's a good preaching, isn't it? Isn't that good? Yeah, that's good. The only thing is... Every time that I went to use the word combine, which I used six times, by the way, not two, six, I inserted the word concubine. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, ask your parents. They would love to explain it to you later, I'm certain. And let me just tell you, that congregation was looking at me sideways like, you know, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? <laughs> what, what meaneth this? <laughs> and, and let me tell you, uh, I, don't, I don't make more mistakes than you. I just talk more than you. I want you to know that, okay? If you talk as much as I do, by percentage, we're about the same. But look, we all make mistakes. We all have weaknesses. The question is, what do we do with them? So today, we're, we're finishing our series called Jesus Strong, Ephesians 4.13. Uh, God gives us a clear picture of his plan and work in our life. The last sentence says, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So this is where we get our understanding that God has a plan to fill you with the life of Jesus and to bring you up to a point that you are strong and mature. And in this series, if you've, if you've missed any of them, I encourage you to jump on our podcast and get them. We've talked about being strong in community, strong in God, strong in impact, and strong in love. And so far, what we've talked about are strengths, but today I want to talk about weaknesses. Now, there are all kinds of weaknesses, and we experience most of them in our lifetime. Most of the, us experience most of them at some point in our lifetime. There are, there are circumstances that make us weak. When we lose a job or if we are new to a job or have a job change, we kind of come from a position of weakness into that moment. There are times of sickness or surgery and we're just not up to our full physical capacity and we experience weakness. Everybody's had the experience where someone you depended on let you down. And those are, those are circumstances of weakness. Negative events. Have you noticed that when bad things happen, they tend to come like a pack of wolves all at one time? If we could just spread them out, wouldn't it be easier? Just hit me with one at a time. I think I'll be all right. But no, 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 no. It's not going to be one. The day the washer breaks, the car's going to break, you know, and, the, and your bank account's going to overdraft. It all happens at the same time. Have you noticed that? Circumstances can put you in a place of weakness. Transition is a time of weakness, that we are sort of 
um, uh, dislocated from our familiar surroundings and what we drew confidence from. Unexpected bills, the car breaks down. There, there are circumstances, times of circumstantial weakness. There also, we also have character weaknesses. So what I mean by that is um, there are unique areas for each one of us that if you're going to fail, you're going to tend to fail that direction. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're vulnerable, you're open, you're weak in that way. That's where the enemy's going to tempt you if he's going to tempt you. And he knows all about that. He's got a profile on you on his database on the hard drive in hell. And he knows what your weaknesses are. And trust me, if a temptation is going to come at you, it's going to come at you in that area. And so uh, some of those character weaknesses are some people tend to be vulnerable to chemical addiction. Or uh, sexuality, compulsive behavior. Some people, when they get very stressed, overburdened, overspend or go into debt or overeat. Or some people, when the pressure's on, have trouble telling the truth. Or, or stealing, maybe, to try to cut a corner. Or anger and bitterness. Some people struggle with laziness. When the pressure comes, they just, they just shut down and can't move. So there are circumstantial, uh, areas of circumstantial weakness, character weakness, uh, and then, then there are what I call natural weaknesses. You know, sometimes we're born with uh, birth defects, or, or we're, not just, we're not quite uh, up to what we had hoped we would be in some capacity. So I, I, I was born that way. One of my thumbs is longer than the other one. And I didn't know it until I was in eighth grade, and the kid looked at me and said, hey, what's wrong with your thumb? And I was like, hey, what's wrong with your face? And then I went home, and I said, oh, what's wrong with my thumb? I didn't know that. How have I lived to 13 years old, and I never saw that before? What have I been doing? What have I been looking at? I, I want you, Kingwood's not a place for perfect people. You know, there aren't any. So thank God. It shouldn't the church be the place where all the, all, all the humans come? So there are birth defects, learning disabilities, physical disabilities, disorders. Everyone is weak somewhere. Everyone is weak sometime. And there's another one that you might not think of, we often don't think of, and, and that is a weakness when our strength has gone too far. I oftentimes tell our, our kids, a, a, a weakness is a strength that doesn't know when to quit. So if you know someone that has a great sense of humor and they tell jokes all the time, they laugh all the time, but you can't ever get them to be serious, like, like it's frustrating, I wish I could have a serious conversation with you, but I can't because you're always telling jokes, that is a strength that has now become a weakness because it's gone too far. Overuse strengths. So the question is, whether it's circumstantial or character or natural or a strength that just doesn't know when to quit, what do you and I do with our weaknesses? If you have something to write with and you want to go to heaven, uh, I'm just going to ask you to write these down, okay? No, I'm just kidding. You, you don't, you'll go to heaven anyway if you don't write these down. Here's what you do with your weaknesses. Number one, accept your weaknesses. Now, now, this can sound almost anti-Christian, because you say, aren't we supposed to 
have faith that God will help us overcome anything and isn't God the solution to everything? And, and to that I would say the short answer is yes. <laughs> yes, yes, the short answer is yes. But that doesn't mean that you will be healthy and wealthy and wise all the time. God will certainly take away some of your weaknesses. God will certainly intervene in your circumstances. He will heal and he will strengthen and he will turn things in your favor, but he will not take away all your weaknesses. And I want you to think for a minute what would happen if he did. If God took away every one of your weaknesses, pride would fill your heart and you would assume that you didn't need him. So he's not going to take away all your weaknesses. You would be deceived into thinking he, he, you didn't even do. This is the temptation the Bible warns us about in, in regard to wealth. People who are wealthy have their external needs so adequately met, the Bible calls it the, de the deceptive nature of riches, that they no longer perceive their internal need of God. Paul the Apostle had some kind of thorn in his flesh, the Bible teaches us. We don't know what it was, but it seems like it was some kind of sickness or physical limitation. And I just want to read to you 2 Corinthians 12. Um, Paul actually prayed about it and asked God to take it away. And I want you to see what happened in verse 8. Three times, he says, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Let me translate that. He said no. Right, right? I'll give, you, I'll, give you the, I'll give you my translation. He said no. Three times I pleaded, but, but he said no. By God's grace, Paul had to accept his thorn in the flesh. This was a weakness that was never going to be taken away from him. And Jesus himself had a similar battle. He was tormented uh, in his soul over his death on the cross that he was supposed to bear. Matthew 26, 39, going a little farther, this is Jesus praying hours before he's crucified. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In his own humanity, Jesus did not want to go to the cross. And he even prayed that there would be another way. But in the end, he accepted this unbelievable pain and suffering and weakness that was set on him. He accepted it. Now, it's distracting and it's discouraging and it's draining to spend your whole life fighting against something that's never going to change. So the easiest path for you and I is to accept what will not change. Otherwise, we just wear ourselves out on it. So God will take some of your weaknesses away. Other of your weaknesses, God will not take away. How do we know which one is which? Well, that's for you to figure out. <laughs> Welcome to life. Maybe you've heard of the serenity prayer that says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So, so maybe I would expand this thought of accepting your weaknesses to say it this way, accept your weaknesses that will not change. You don't have to accept anything that God's going to change or wants to change. 
but accept the weaknesses that are not going to change. Number two, listen to your weaknesses. God will speak to you through your weaknesses, and a good example of that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Paul the Apostle again. Here's what he's saying to this church in the opening verses of this letter. He's saying, look, we've been, we've been through a lot of stuff, and I just want to set that foundation before we have the other conversations he wanted to have with them. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. A lot of people think he was referring to uh, Ephesians, or I'm sorry, Acts 19 at the church in Ephesus. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Look at that phrase, we were under great pressure. Now, we're not sure exactly what occasion Paul is talking about. But we are sure about some other things, and let me tell you what they are. We are sure about what Paul went through, whatever he's referring to, because the Bible tells us that Paul was in prison multiple times. He was flogged. He was exposed to death multiple times. Five times he received 39 lashes on his back. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was pelted with stones. He was shipwrecked three times. He spent a day and night in the open sea. He was constantly on the move. He was in danger from rivers and bandits and religious leaders and those who opposed the gospel. The Bible tells us he was in danger in the city, in the country, at sea, and from false believers that he had gone without sleep, without food, and had been left cold and naked. So, take your pick. <laughs> Whichever time he was talking about, Paul had the experience in life dealing with hardship to be able to say, when I tell you we were under great pressure, I'm telling you we were under great pressure. Now, most of us have not experienced as desperate of a pressure as Paul did, but we've all had experience with pressure. Everybody's had hardship of some kind, weakness of some kind. Our family has endured a lot of different pressure and weakness. When we pastored in Mississippi, we took a direct hit from Hurricane Katrina. As I see this hurricane swirling out in the uh, ocean right now, I, I just, it, just, it just makes me brace because I know the potential of what that could cause. We spent four years in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina rebuilding our church and helping rebuild our community. If, if you've never lived in the aftermath of a massive disaster, it's hard to explain. Uh, 2,000 people died. And, it, and it's, like, um, it, it's like a community-wide funeral that goes on for months and months and months because the emotional and mental toll it takes on people because everybody is in the same boat. Everybody has experienced significant loss. There was a lot of pressure. And when our youngest son at five years old was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, it changed our whole life. My wife and I began to take care of him, and it took, um, it's intense. It's hourly care that's needed. And then our oldest son was diagnosed at 13 years old with the same thing, which is weird because only 5% of the time do siblings ever contract the same, that same disease. And then, then, so then we took care of both of them. 
And then a few years after that, my wife contracted a disease and became disabled, and then I took care of all three of them. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just saying to you this morning, some of you single parents, I, I know some of what you go through. You have to make all the decisions, and you have to organize everything, and you have to plan everything, and, and you just hope to God that you get enough of it right that you don't blow your family up. And, and I, I'm, I'm just saying it's a lot of pressure. And unfortunately, these circumstances have caused me too often to live in my weaknesses. I'm, I've been forced to do things I'm not good at because there's nobody else to do them. And it's exhausting to live in your weaknesses. But I do want to tell you one thing about that. I hate it. I don't like living in my weaknesses. I don't like feeling weak. I don't like being weak. And for those of you who've had to live in your weaknesses and you've experienced deep seasons of weakness and pain and suffering, I hate it for you. I hate it. And it's frustrating to beat your head against a wall day in and day out that's never going to change. However, if you listen closely to the weakness... God will speak to you through the weakness. And if you want a thought for the day to write down, here it is. Every weakness is an opportunity to know God better. Let me say that again. Every weakness is an opportunity to know God better. And so let me tell you some things that I've learned from my weaknesses. I'll tell you a few things that God spoke to me through weaknesses. First, I'm weaker than I thought I was. I thought I was stronger than I am. I need God more than I thought I did. I thought I got it. I need to be saved. I need a relationship with God. I need to do my devotions. I want to go to heaven when I die. I got it. But there's more to it than that. I learned that I need other people more than I thought I did. I learned I'm not as holy as I thought I was. I say things like concubine. I learned that God is better than I thought he was. And I learned that God's grace is enough for me. Now, if you remember, coming full circle, this is what God told Paul when Paul asked to take his thorn in the flesh away. Let's look at it again, verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Now look at this next phrase. This next phrase will change your life. I promise if you'll receive it, it'll change your life. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I have good news for you today. God's grace is deeper than your need. Whatever your weakness is, God's grace is deeper and stronger and bigger than the need that you have. My power is made perfect in weakness. What does that mean? It means that God's power is most clearly seen through us broken humans, not perfect people or people who try to look perfect or pretend that they're perfect. If God can use one of us to do something loving and good and eternally helpful, then surely His power is made perfect in our weakness. If God can use any one of us, his power is greater than you think. Look, this is why I hate fasting. 
I don't like to fast. I call a fast every year, and I hate it probably more than anybody. Because I don't, who likes being hungry for 21 days? I don't like being hungry for 21 days. Who likes to fight cravings for 21 days? I don't like to fight cravings, but I do it because it reminds me of my humanity and my weakness and my limitation, which strengthens God's power in me and reminds me of his strength and his power and that his, he has unlimited grace. And that's why I do it. So, so let's look back. Let's go, go all the way back to full circle to 2 Corinthians uh, 1, 8, and 9. So Paul says to them, we don't want you to be uninformed about the troubles we experienced of prophecy. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Okay, can't get worse. Cannot get worse. Look at this. But, <laughs> how many of you know everything that comes after that word addresses everything that came before it. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Have you ever been under such pressure that you abandon yourself? And you relied on God. Because it's that move that allows you to truly begin to experience and understand the power of God. The power of God does not land on those who have it all together and are multi-talented and everything else. These superhumans. The power of God will not, will not be manipulated that way the power of God rests on the weak <laughs> and those who under the humility and grace of God can come open handed with their weaknesses and that's where the power of God flows so Paul was under extreme pressure he was feeling deep weakness but how did God use this weakness to speak to him? In this extraordinary pressure, God whispered to Paul and said, Paul, stop relying on yourself and depend on me. And boy, would Paul need that lesson. So being Jesus strong means living fully dependent on the Father. And no one has ever been a better example of that to us than Jesus himself, who lived fully dependent on the Father. I want to say it again. Every weakness is an opportunity to know God better. So what do we do with our weakness? <laughs> we accept our weakness. We listen to our weaknesses. Here's the last one. Share your weaknesses. You know there are Christians around you who have strengths that you don't have. And God's put them in your life to help you with your weakness. And he's put you in their life to help them with their weakness. And, and if you lean on those who have strengths that you don't have, you actually become Jesus strong. But it takes some humility to admit that you got weaknesses and admit what they are. You know, a lot of times this is the trouble in marriage. We follow stereotypical roles rather than just saying, hey, which one of us is better at this? 
why don't, why don't that one do it? <laughs> Sometimes uh, parents get stuck because they think they're supposed to be you know, the all-sufficient example of everything, and one of your kids is actually better at something than you are, and what you should do is say, hey, you're better at it than I am. Why don't you do it? Right? And it's that inner dependency that is God's vision for the church. You can see it in 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, 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 Paul compares the body, uh, uh, the physical body, he uses a metaphor to describe the church. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, 21. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Well, how would you see? And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. How would you walk? On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. See, we are best when we are interconnected, depending on each other. I can remember when I was a youth pastor, I... Uh, I was learning what my weaknesses were, and uh, we would have, you know, we'd have a trip or something, and I, we'd do youth service, and then after youth service, I would just take a step over and form a line, and everybody would start signing up. You'd not have 60 kids come to sign up for whatever, a trip or something, and so I'd start taking their money and getting their permission form and doing all this stuff, and, and you know what? That way I couldn't find their money. I'd lost their check. I didn't know who had signed up. They say, I was, I, my name was, uh, I said, just get in the van. I, I don't remember. I don't know the difference. You know, God's going to have to help us because I don't know where that check is. You know, only, oh, you can only find it by satellite at this point. I don't know where it's at. Maybe Google can get it. And, and there was a, um, one of our youth leaders who was such a blessing. Uh, she and I would talk about this a little bit. And I said, boy, I'm just, you know, I'm not good at that. And she said, why don't you let me help with that? And I thought, I and I hated it. I hated doing all that. I hated the paperwork and the details and trying to get it all right. It never balanced. I never had enough money. never worked. And nothing ever worked right. You know, all the numbers were always wrong. And I remember her, and I thought, oh, I couldn't do that to you. How could I do that to you? You're such a sweet person. I couldn't give you this. Everybody, everybody hates this. She said, no, I'd like to. And I, I remember one, once she just uh, finally looked at me. She said, you know, you and I have talked about delegating a lot of times. She said, I just want to know one thing. When are we going to stop talking about it? When are you going to start doing it? <laughs> and I said, well, okay. All right. I guess right now. And that was a, and can I tell you something? That was an important moment for me. Because it allowed me to release that and say, hey, and, and I, I, the reason I didn't want to give it to her, because I felt bad for her. I thought, I wouldn't dump this on anybody. I hate this. And I gave it to her. And you know what? We never lost another kid. <laughs> we, we never had a check that was lost. We never had anybody sign up that wasn't on the form. We, we had all our permissions. It all was fabulous. And you know what? She absolutely enjoyed it. Like it thrilled her. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. Do you think this body of Christ thing might be a real thing? There might be people who enjoy doing things that I hate. And I might actually enjoy doing some things that they hate. I'm telling you, that is the mystery and majesty and beauty of the church of Jesus. He has put every gift in this body that is needed to do what God wants it to do. And he's put those gifts around you that you need, and he's put gifts in you that somebody else needs. And so when you don't use them, we all suffer. You have people signing up for stuff that can't go. <laughs> Everything gets lost because you have people trying to do too much. Mother Teresa said it like this, you can do what I cannot do. 
I can do what you cannot do. Together we can do great things. Isn't that right? So what do we do with our weaknesses? We accept them, we listen to them, and then we share them. Now, there are two kinds of people in this room this morning. The people who, who know they are weak and the people who do not know they are weak. That's the only kinds of people in the room. <laughs> and so this morning, you might be struggling with circumstantial weaknesses. There just might be some things going on in your life. Maybe they're not even your fault. Oftentimes they're not our fault. And oftentimes they're outside our control. We can't change them. We can't. God knows if we could have changed them, we'd already changed them. We can't change them. Some of you have natural weaknesses. You just battle with it all your life. Some of you may be battling with character weaknesses. Vulnerabilities and temptation. If you were honest, if you were honest, you're at risk right now. You're at risk from doing something bad and hurting the people who love you. And I just want you to know if the church can't be a safe place for us to deal with our weaknesses, then we're never going to find God's power. And so we have to be. We, where else? Where else are we going to go and ever address our weaknesses? James 4, 6 says, God gives grace to the humble. And Paul said, Paul heard from God, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So would you just stand with me this morning and I want to ask our prayer team to come. Everyone, if you'd close your eyes and just open your heart. God, God loves you and He doesn't want to hurt you. He's come to help you. All of the grace of God that you're ever going to need is available to you. All of the power of God that you're ever going to need is available to you. But there's only one way for you to receive God's grace and God's power. And it is to exchange your weakness for it. It is to bring your weakness to Him and say, okay, now God, here it is. Here it is today. And so this morning, maybe if you're, if you're not even sure if you have a real relationship with Jesus, boy, today would be the perfect time for you to say, God, I don't even... Maybe your weakness is doubt. Maybe your weakness is fear. Maybe your weakness is you've had a bad experience with a church or with a Christian or a family member who said they were a Christian. But you say today, God, I'm just going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to give you my weakness. Can I tell you when you do that, God will pour His grace out on you. Maybe you're here and it's... It's a temptation, it's a character weakness, it's a circumstantial weakness. Maybe it's a natural ability that you've just struggled with all your life. Can I just tell you, when you bring that weakness to God, He will pour out 
His grace and power on you. So Holy Spirit, I ask you today to draw every person who needs your power. Draw every person who needs your grace today. If you are in need of the grace of God, I want you just to come and find a prayer team member. And you can say something as simple as, I'm struggling with a weakness. You can define it as deeply as you want to or as little as you want to. But I'm telling you, there's not a more spiritual step you could take today than just saying, God, I'm weak. Because he's so attracted to our accurate view of ourselves that we really can't live this life without him. So as I pray, if you need God's grace, I want you to come and find a prayer team member. Holy Spirit, I pray you draw right now, and we ask you that you'd fill this place and fill this moment with the grace and the power of God. Lord, today, let your grace flow and let your strength fill this church and fill the families and the individuals and the couples or those who need you and those who know they need you. As the worship team begins to sing, if you need prayer, I want you to come and let the Holy Spirit minister life to you, strength to you today. doesn't flow to those who hide and pretend and avoid. Grace flows to those who 
come in humility and weakness. And I want to encourage you, before we leave today, I'm going to dismiss you and let the worship team keep leading us. And as they do, if you need prayer, I want to ask our prayer team just to wait for a minute. Because it's very important that you live in the grace of God. Lord, thank you for your grace today. And I pray that you would go with us in your strength and wisdom. In Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great day today.